And in the Christian life, there are times when things are held back, when the blessing has not yet come. But, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Now, there are many things that make us bitterly disappointed. Sometimes when we go for a meal, we're really, really ravenous hungry, and we're expecting the food to be on the table, and we go in there, and there's no food. Maybe you go home from church, and the oven didn't come on, and that meat is still red raw. You can't eat it yet, and you are just miserable waiting for that to be ready. Or maybe a vacation that had to be canceled. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. We're on the air again to bring you the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Today we have the gospel of hope found in Proverbs chapter 13. And here from the pulpit of our Free Presbyterian Church, we will let the Bible speak on hope, the hope that is in the Savior we have a hymn, Oh, What a Day That Will Be When We See Christ. And then some uh, time in our Bible study notes, Genesis chapter 5. And I hope that you'll stay with us right through the program as we bring to you the Lord's Word today. This is Ian Golliher, and I trust that uh, the Lord will draw near and that he will by his Spirit minister to your heart and that there will be joy and gladness as we go through the things of the Lord here today. All right, let's take our seats and turn to Proverbs chapter 13. Which of these Proverbs would you preach on if you were given the task of preaching tonight? Which of these would strike a chord in your heart? For me, it was verse 12. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Now, remember that a proverb is a mixture of parable, and it is also metaphoric. So, uh, we, we don't take everything literally, you know, that we're going to have a tree. But there is a significance. There is a meaning. Let me give you my rendering of this expectation held back or prolonged fills us with grief and misery. But when we, the expected thing is bestowed, it is full of satisfaction. That, I think, is the essence of this proverb. Uh, when something is held back, it brings misery. But when it is bestowed, it brings satisfaction. Now, that's only true for a Christian who is trusting in the hope of the gospel, because we know that the wicked, and this book of Proverbs uh, contrasts the righteous and the wicked all the way through. There's the continual back and forth, the wicked versus the righteous person, the wicked 
perisheth, the righteous shall be safe. This is the message of the book of Proverbs. And so this promise, this guarantee in this text applies to the Christian who is trusting in the Lord Jesus. Hope deferred. And in the Christian life, there are times when things are held back, when the blessing has not yet come. But, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Now, there are many things that make us bitterly disappointed. Sometimes when we go for a meal, we're really, really ravenous hungry, and we're expecting the food to be on the table, and we go in there, and there's no food. Maybe you go home from church, and the oven didn't come on, and that meat is still red raw. You can't eat it yet, and you are just miserable waiting for that to be ready. Or maybe a vacation that had to be canceled. Oh, that's a bitter pill when we are told that it's off, and all our expectations, all our hopes of of a good time, they're just dashed by that news. Young people, of course, they're longing and longing for adulthood. You know, they can't grow up quickly enough want to be a man, want to be able to grow a beard, want to be able to prove my manhood or womanhood. And it's long, but then when it comes, it it brings its own satisfaction. Here's another very bitter one, and that is the hope of marriage, and the bride breaks it off the morning of the wedding. Oh, boy, that would be bitter, and it's not the first time it has happened. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Or maybe for that couple that are married, and they're buying their first home, and they're just keeping their fingers crossed that, you know, that offer they have made is going to go through, and they get that home. And then the realtor calls and says, nope, someone else came along. You're out. You're not getting that home. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Now, we could go on with all those illustrations and examples, but what I want us to do tonight is to look at the things that a Christian longs for, not just the material things and the happy things that we we do seek in life, but the things that a Christian longs for. And until they come, we are burdened. And when they do come, we are brought into wonderful blessing. The first one is the burden of sin to be removed. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. And a burden of sin is a great grief to a true Christian, a burden that is not yet lifted from our hearts and our conscience. Well, we can't live with it. You remember when Peter preached in Acts 2 at Pentecost, and the people uh, to whom Peter preached, you have crucified the Lord Jesus, you have, you're guilty of His blood on your hands, and we're told they were pricked in heart. And then they cried out, what shall we do? They were troubled deeply. And this is a good sign 
This is the, the expectation. Lord, we, we need an answer to this. I think also of David in Psalm 51. Let's turn to that and just look at some of the sorrows that he went through before he came uh, to peace through cleansing. And Psalm 51 is his own heart confession, and he's crying out for mercy in verse 1, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. And so he's living with this great guilt, and of course we know the context. It was his sin with Bathsheba that led to murder and lying and cover-up, and now Nathan appeared and said, David, thou art the man. He was slain with guilt. And while he lived with that, he had no joy. He was miserable. And when you go down to uh, verse 7, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Well, this gets a little bit personal because when bones are broken, life's not easy. When you've got a broken bone, you've got pain. You've got discomfort. You've got awkwardness. There's things you, you can't get on with. And there is then joy when that is healed. And you can see the cry of David here as he says, Hide thy face from my sins, blot out all mine iniquities. Create an, a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. He felt that. He felt as if he was cast away from God's presence. All oh, the misery of that. Oh, the heartache of that. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. My, that's a bad day for a Christian when you feel that the Holy Spirit is not with you. And then he says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. This burden of sin made the heart sick. And until the burden was lifted, there was no joy. It's like Christian in Pilgrim's Progress who was carrying that burden on his back. And not until he saw the cross, not until he got the message of Calvary applied to his heart, did that burden roll from his back into that uh, tomb or that cave, and it was gone. It was gone. And then the joy. Oh, as the proverb says, hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when it is given, it is as a tree of life. It brings satisfaction. It brings such wonderful, wonderful peace. And back in Pentecost again, we read that those who were pricked in heart and cried out, what must he do? Almost immediately, we find them praising God with the disciples. The new song was in their hearts, and they were praising him. And so this is a wonderful blessing whenever the burden of sin is lifted. Now, not only the burden of sin, there's another area 
where this is true, and that is the hope of victory over sin. In your Christian life, after justification comes sanctification. Justification is an act. It is absolute, perfectly done by our Lord. It's none of our doing. It's His gift in totality to our souls. But sanctification, it is progressive. It is slow. It is intermittent. It's like the graph in the stock market, up today, down tomorrow, up tomorrow, and, and, and there's all kinds of curves and highs and lows in your sanctification. And so, the Christian longs for victory over sin. Now, just sticking to the book of Proverbs, if you go to chapter 15, verse 1, the first area that we find here close to our text uh, I'm not saying it's the first one in your life, uh, but it's certainly one that's true in, in many cases, and that is temper, temper. It says here in Psalm in Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turneth away wrath. And where anger meets anger, there's going to be problems. There's going to be horrific consequences. But as a Christian, we need to learn firstly how to control our temper. We need to have grace to overcome that natural tendency to blow up and to just let it all out and uh, attack the problem with a, an attack rather than trying to deflect or resolve. And so we, we need victory over our temper. Then in verse 2, there is the tongue, uh, the tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of the fools poureth out foolishness. And of course, James tells us that the tongue is the little member. It is like a fire, uh, or it is the rudder of the ship that can turn the whole ship. So, the tongue needs to be controlled. And as a Christian, we need grace, we need wisdom, we need victory over the natural tendency to bite to devour, to offend, and to be uh, inconsiderate. We need grace, and we need victory over uh, the tongue. Then on down to verse, uh, verse 4 again mentions the tongue. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Hey, that's the same thing as we learned back in chapter 13, 12. It says there it is a tree of life. So, this was one of Solomon's common statements, common pictures, word pictures, a tree of life. A tree of life is bountiful. It is refreshing. It gives shade and comfort and consolation. It is a real blessing. And here he is saying in this here that a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Your tongue can be a blessing if it's controlled if it ministers grace and truth rather than just spouting off the carnal inner recesses of your own sinful heart. And so, this is another area where we need victory. Then in verse 5, there is the walk of the righteous. A fool 
despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. The ability to take instruction, that is a huge plus. And I know any employer is always looking for that. Can this trainee, can this person who's going to work in our business, can they take instruction? And if not, there's going to be a limited use in that business. And it's same in the Christian life. We have so much to learn, so much to grow into, and we need to learn how to take instruction, whether it be from a father, a mother, a pastor, an elder, or a mature Christian that would seek to help and to guide. Then in verse—now, we're going back to chapter 13. If you look at verse 9, the light of the righteous rejoiceth, but the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. See the contrast between the righteous person and the wicked person? And Solomon contrasts these two. Now, every Christian then must strive for victory. And while the Lord promises us that we will be overcomers, and we're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the gospel of our Lord Jesus, yet you and I must strive for it. We must aim for it. And it's a truism that if you don't aim for something, you'll miss every time. And if you don't seek to train your tongue, if you don't seek to be that person that's going after wisdom and godliness, well, you'll miss it every time. And so, this is the cry of the Christian that we might have victory. Now, there's another passage in the New Testament, and I think I know my audience tonight. Everybody here knows the passage. Romans 7, Paul said, the things that I would, I do not. And the things that I would not, that I do. Now, that, believe it or not, is not Paul before conversion. That is Paul 20 years or more after conversion. So, he's a mature Christian. He's the outstanding gospel leader in the New Testament, and he makes this confession. Even still, because of my fleshly limitations, there are things I do I shouldn't. And there are things that I should be doing that I don't do them. And that is a great admission. And it shows you the need for spiritual power, the need for prayer, and the need for victory. And when you get to Romans 8.1, you will find the apostle brought into victory. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. And there's the victory ground, walking after the Spirit, not after the flesh. And so, that's the place we want to live. There's where we want to be. There's where we need communion with God and fellowship with the Lord. That's why we need to be much in prayer, much in the Word, come to the prayer meetings of the church, be in fellowship with God's people, because you want to walk in the Spirit. That's the goal of the Christian. And even yet, there will be times we will have to lament with the Apostle Paul, there are things I would I do not. 
and the things I would not, that do I. And not until that day when we are glorified with Christ shall we be free, because we're in a land where there is no more curse, no more temptation, no more devil, no more of the inner nature that's inclined to sin, no more striving against the flesh, because we're in the land of glory. And so, hope deferred makes the heart sick. If you're living with constant bad habits, living constantly offending people with your tongue, living constantly defeated, you're going to be miserable. But when the blessing comes, the victory comes, it's a tree of life. What a release! What joy! What victory in your own soul! What a testimony you will be. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day, that will be. Thank you for joining with us here at Let the Bible Speak, and we're turning to our Bible study notes in Genesis chapter 5. Now, the first thing that we like to do in our studies on each chapter is to give a summary of the passage. And here, this genealogy, which covers 1,556 years after creation, links Adam to Noah through the line of Seth. It gives the names of the patriarchs with the dates of their births and their deaths. It therefore provides means to calculate the year of the flood, which works out to the year 1656 after creation. And it's proof of the use of real years and destroys the possibility of dating the age of the world by evolutionary methods. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, stands tall as the man who walked with God, and his testimony shows that it was possible in those times to keep up communion with God through faith and obedience to his revealed will. The grave tone of the record shows a world groaning under the curse due to sin. This is highlighted by the repeated comment, And he died 
after the history of each patriarch. Adam must have felt the bitter pain of a fallen world as he compared it to his prior perfect life in Eden. Now we're speaking here, of course, of the world before Noah's flood, that's Genesis 5, of the uh, succession of events and patriarchs that uh, led up to the flood. And the record is given, and he died. It was a world of death. Now that's not the world that God created. Sin brought death. Sin, the wages of sin is death. And here in this chapter, verse 24, we have, I believe, the key verse. It says, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Enoch's walking with God is interpreted in Hebrews 11.5 as obedience and faithful witnessing. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch was a faithful messenger for the Lord, warning of God's judgment upon the wicked, even while he felt the power of sin and apostasy around him. And you can read of these, these things in these interpretations in the book of Jude, chapter 1, 14. Uh, we are not left to our own opinions. There is a, a, a commentary given by the New Testament that gives us the highs and the lows, the rights and the wrongs of those who lived in those times. Now, our first observation here is that the reference to the book, the book, and I have that in inverted commas, the book in chapter 5.1, reveals that the Genesis record was committed to writing. It was not an oral tradition handed down by word of mouth. This is an important fact to remember, as many oppose the validity of the Genesis record. Moses was given these books, these records, and he was given to writing. This is not oral tradition. This is divine revelation committed to writing. We call that verbal inspiration, where God gave the word and men wrote it, and that was the divine record. Yes, men were the instruments or the pens, but God was the author of every word of the record. And this gives us the Bible that we have, and gives us the infallible record of these events prior to Noah's flood. And it is on this that we take our stand as we preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a gospel that is the revelation of God. It is not according to man, but according to God. And so, thank you for joining with us on the program today, and I trust that you will get these notes, that you will uh, read them, study them. You can find them on our website at ltbs.ca. Now stand by for the closing announcements. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Call me please at 604-897-2040. For all the details of our broadcasts across Canada, go to ltbs.ca. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 18790 
58th Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. Our website is cloverdealfpc.ca and there you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, a gospel booklet called A New Beginning and a link to watch our services online. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer every Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day at 9.30 a.m. from September to June. You can contact us at 604-567-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please visit our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will bring you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our one-hour church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word.